This is Marcus de la Fleur, landscape architect from Chicago, who likes to play in the rain. You're listening to Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, one, two, two. <laughs> Can we do it again? No, that's, no. I'm going to use that one. That is hilarious. <laughs> that's really funny. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, uh, good evening. I have been asked to speak to you about science, or to give it its correct technical name, so-called science. So-called science is an activity carried out by so-called scientists. Shadowy, generally anonymous figures intent on one thing, the relentless pursuit of money. These so-called scientists, notorious for their lifestyles, their love of cutting-edge gadgetry and their trips to exotic locations are remorseless in their pursuit of the vast, almost incomprehensible sums of money at stake in the form of the huge, limitless pool of cash known as research grants. <laughs> These enormous sums are used to fund their frivolous trips to glaciers and ice packs, their luggage bursting with designer sweaters and padded anoraks, there to play with their boys' toys, drilling ice cores and sending balloons up into the atmosphere to measure carbon so-called dioxide. <laughs> the substance which so-called science ludicrously claims can warm the entire Earth, despite it being just a tiny molecule consisting of just two oxygen atoms and one of carbon. These atoms themselves consisting largely of nothing, and yet, absurdly, these conveniently invisible so-called molecules are supposedly able to form an enormous duvet round the Earth. Self-evidently nonsense. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green gardening and environment radio flavored with a dash of humor welcome to intelligent irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on your questions comments and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611 good planets hard to find temperate zones and tropic climes and true currents and thriving seas Wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are. Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. Right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, welcome. Hello. Uh, we are having technical difficulties. As a matter of fact, uh, if you're watching us on Facebook, Facebook, you're not hearing us through the microphones. I guess you're just hearing us through the room, and uh, and that's okay for now. And I, I can fix that. You we're, just won't hear any of the music or the sound uh, effects. Well, we can. We're just going to try during the first break to uh, see what we can. Oh uh, yeah, and I can. I can <laughs> hear it on my. I'm, I'm, I can hear it on my telephone here. So let's just. Uh, uh, see, the temperature goes down to three degrees, and this is what happens. Uh, yeah, my car fails, and uh, 
And and I, every, I follow up the steps coming into the studio. Uh, and then I have this, which uh, typifies everything that's going on today. Is everything working? No. Okay. Uh, it's not? No. What is that? This is my no pen. No. Um, and you hit the button. No. And no. no. Okay, <laughs> so this is that? this is the pen of no, which I picked up in California. All right, while I was in California in the warmth, and I come back to three degrees here in Chicago. Holy Welcome smoke! Home. Yeah, really. Uh, but it's a great show today. We've got a ton of stuff, including second hour talking about climate and weather. We're going to start with. Uh, municipalities, how you can save money doing infrastructure. We're going to talk about lawn care in municipalities also, how you can do it safely. And then, of course, Rick DeMaio and John Lee are going to come in. And boy, that's going to be a lot of fun. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. That's not just a tree in your yard. It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett tree experts to care for your trees. Now is a great time to go to Bartlett.com and see what they can do for you. Did you know that winter's a prime time to have your trees pruned? One of the reasons is that without leaves, the structure of the tree is easier to evaluate. Also, it's a great time to inspect your trees for any visibly hazardous conditions or structural issues. It's also easier now to work around a garden when the ground is frozen. Even during the growing season, Bartlett utilizes the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods to control tree pests, such as beneficial insects to manage the bad insects. And did we mention that Bartlett is the industry leader in safety? Whether it's a small residential project or a major commercial renovation, contact an arborist representative at Bartlett and get a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Hello, this is Brock from Hero Power. Dirty Power is suffocating Chicago. Stop paying for coal to burn and choose the easiest way to switch to clean energy today. Hero Power offers a no-hassle option for Illinois residents to pay for renewable electricity sources like wind and solar and keep paying the same rate as they did with ComEd. The same rate. It's a no-brainer. Your money goes toward renewable energy and you avoid long-term contracts, termination fees, or the need to schedule another appointment. You can do all of this in just three minutes and drastically reduce your carbon footprint right now. So don't just complain about climate change. Do something about it. By switching to Hero Power, you take a huge step towards cutting carbon emissions and utilizing our natural wind and solar energy. It's a reliable and convenient way to switch to paying for premium electricity at no extra cost. Let's fight for a clean energy future together. Get clean energy in just a few clicks at MyHeroPower.com. Enroll today at MyHeroPower.com. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net or also at TheGreenDivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. 
sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. It says it all right now. <laughs> Somebody's gonna hurt someone. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> before before the morning is through. Wait so, a second. No. no. Does he have the initials Mark Zuckerberg? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, there we go. I've got my pen of no out there. <laughs> And uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. For those of you following us on the media stream, it ain't much of a media stream today. That's all and I can say. And you won't hear the sound effects. The OBS is down. However, we're back. We're right here on AM and FM radio. And streaming live. And streaming. On the internet. Uh, yeah, but that's the point. It's it's kind of. No, but the audio. The if audio you go to MikeNovak.net, sure. click you know, the live stream, you just won't. Hear the music that I just played. No, no, I meant the actual audio. What do you mean the actual? The web stream on TuneIn and on things like that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the live audio stream yeah. is up there, yeah. just not the live video. Just, well, the, yeah. it, it's complicated. Never mind. We're, we're uh, all having a bad hair day. So, however, not... <laughs> however, we have a gentleman here in the studio. Is all dr- look at that? Who wears a three-piece suit anymore? Hold on, we need years. I'm sorry. You, yeah. you were saying. 15 years I've been dressing like this. People always get all you know, stressed out when they see me dress like I this. I don't get hey, stressed you know. out. I like it. I think it's great. I it's think, right. you know, I was going to wear a sport coat today, and I thought, nah, let's go cash. And then there you are uh, in um, all gussied up, but that's okay. That's Curtis Leopardo, and uh, he's with uh, Leopardo Construction. Um, and actually leopardo part of is that part of leopardo energy i mean what's yeah, how so does the operation work leopardo companies has been around for 42 years i'm part of the second generation um my father started the company and leopardo energy is a division of leopardo companies mm-hmm. okay leopardo companies is a uh major contractor general contractor in the chicagoland area we do uh, about 600 projects a year from $20,000 projects to 100 million dollar projects and that's mainly commercial construction. Okay. Uh, Leopardo Energy mainly works with municipalities, and we're all over the Midwest. Uh, we're doing a lot of work in Ohio right now. We're doing work in Indiana, and um, things have been uh, going great. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yep. Because the reason you're here is I found out that you're involved in a project in Ohio. Uh, and and where is that in Ohio? North Royalton, Ohio. North Royalton. It's in the Cleveland area. In the mm-hmm. Cleveland area. Yep. Okay. And I saw what you were doing, and I, frankly, couldn't really wrap my head around it. Sure. And the idea is you are working with North Royalton to help them with their sustainability, basically energy. Um, and make it uh, cleaner, more responsible, uh, retrofitting, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And the idea is they can do this uh, without paying an arm and a leg? Is it, that There's no fair? cost to the taxpayer to no, do this project. No cost. No cost. To it's, the taxpayer. And now, as you guys oh, say, guaranteed. And we guarantee the savings. So you have the private sector coming in and standing behind the savings with a with a guarantee. So our balance sheet basically stands behind it mm-hmm. so that if there is any missed guarantees, we have to write a check for the difference. And um, 
and we find that is a very powerful thing. And what can they achieve for all of this? For you know, so I'll walk you through the process. So okay. we meet with the municipality. They're interested in what we're pitching them. So what we'll do is we'll come in at no cost to them. We'll do an audit of all their facilities. We'll look at the street. I mean, lights. starting right there, no cost to you. Hey, no cost. We'd like to right. help you uh, uh, finance this and be more, as I said, more responsible mm-hmm. with your energy consumption. Right. Right. So, and, and that no cost audit though is based on the fact of you guys getting the job. Uh, well, it, it's part of the risk for us. Mm-hmm. We go in, we feel like we're going to find something. If we're not going to waste anybody's time, if we don't sure. think there's anything there, we mm-hmm. can kind of we're, we're you know pretty well trained in you know looking at buildings when we walk in. We know if there's an opportunity or not. Right. And um, you know, there's sometimes, most of the time, not the case. But we'll come back to you and say, hey, you guys are doing a great job. There's nothing here we can do. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But most of the time. <laughs> You Why know, would they call you in if that's the case? That's well, we, we call on them usually or, you know, um, you know, it gets word of mouth around town. Like, for for instance, Hammond, Indiana, um, we did a $16.5 million project with them, and it's going to yield well over $30 million in energy savings over the next 20 wow. years. And um, But if I could jump back to the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, get yeah. Because now, now you've got everybody paying right, attention. Right, right. Um, all right. So what we'll do is we come in, we do this audit at no cost. And we'll come back with a report and saying, if you do these upgrades on your street lights, on your in, uh, inside lights, interior lights, um, HVAC system, control systems, we look at everything. We don't just look at one MEP system. We'll come back with recommendations that if you do these upgrades, they will yield a savings. We then take those savings and we convert it into cash flow. And that cash flow, then we build a financial model. And the financial model basically shows you a roadmap of how you're going to be able to fund these things. And then we come in with a guarantee mm-hmm. behind the savings. So every year that, you know, we're projecting these savings, we stand shoulder to shoulder with the municipality to make sure it's there and it's paying that debt service. And the way to finance these projects is through traditional debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, banks love it because you've got someone like us with a, you know, decent balance sheet standing behind the savings and municipalities aren't really going anywhere. So it's, you know, a safe play for the banks and they'll go up to 15, 20 years. So you can get a lot of things done um, within that scope of work once we identify the cash flow savings. So you really don't come out of pocket at all to get things done. You're already spending the money. We're just finding the money that you're inefficiently spending. And then we're redirecting it to get things done. So what sort of inefficiencies are you correcting? Street lights, stoplights, control Mm -hmm. systems, um, when you say stoplights, how how would a stoplight be running inefficiently? Well, you know they have old bulbs that are oh, just inefficient. Oh, I see. So it's kind of yeah. Yeah. So moving basic, to an LED. You put timers. Yeah. You put timers in it. So like sometimes they're just off if there's no right. car activity mm-hmm. from a certain amount of distance. Um, do you like it just do, turns do you on. coordinate the lights uh, in a, in in a city? Um, well, we put just sensors in there, so then we know like if if a car is a mile away, it'll it'll start it'll go back on. You know, so there's so nobody you're on the road. Using 21st century technology to say. This is how we can make these systems more efficient. And if they're more efficient, you're saving money. The bank, uh, see, it, but it involves having you uh, and a bank uh, involved. Sure. It, it, just, it just seems like, well, why couldn't they do this themselves and figure this out? Oh, well, a lot, they don't have the money. You know, and that's that's the issue, especially in the state of Illinois. You know, or, or the staff to figure it or out. Or the staff, you know, to do these things. See, we can knock out a ton of very expensive projects mm-hmm. through, you know, our financial modeling and our savings calls. We can create a scope of work that it would take the average municipality 
maybe 10 years to get mm-hmm. done because they got to allocate capital over time because we got that roof replacement we got to yeah. do. And, yeah. You know, and they're saving up and all that. And, um, or they raise taxes to fix yeah. things when it becomes an sure. emergency. So we can take those things basically off the plate so that, you know, they don't have to worry about it. And then that's where we come in. And we do the work. We could self-perform a lot of the work. And plus we work with a lot of local subcontractors and stimulate the economy within the municipality. So we take, we take an yeah. extra effort to do that. And as, as a general contractor, you know, the municipality doesn't have to send out the RFP, the request for for proposals, for roofing, for windows, for this. You take care of all of Everything, that. Everything. You just throw it all in the kitchen sink and, and we figure it out and we get it done. A one-stop shopping there. Turnkey, turnkey operation. Yeah. Well, one thing, we had gotten some material in advance um, and looking at Ohio, mm-hmm. why you guys chose to work starting in Ohio, um, one of the things that we saw was the Ohio Revised Code. Mm-hmm. Now, how does how does that work? What is Ohio doing differently to allow this type of, of self-funded projects? Um, well, Ohio's been, this type of method of work has been, was created in Ohio. Okay. So they're more used to the legislation out there that you can do these type of programs versus Illinois. I believe that the resolution was um, adopted in 2005. So it is fairly new and it takes time for people to wrap their heads around it. Um, you know, the biggest pushback we get from municipalities is it sounds too good to be true. There's mm-hmm. no way, there's no way you can do this. And it's like, you know, look at Hammond, Go, I'll introduce you to the city controller and the mayor, you know, and you can see what they're doing in like, based on our, our results and what we've done. And, North Royalton's seen the same, you know, result. Um, How long but, have you been working at North Royalton? Uh, about a year. So, so you're already gonna, starting to see absolutely the savings yep. there. Mm-hmm. So I would think after a year, uh, the uh, the city council, the, the 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 accountant can come back and say, "Hey, this is actually working. Let's absolutely. continue to do this." Is that what happens yeah, generally? Sometimes there's additional phases of work, um, and you can leverage the savings that. You know, come in, and we're mm-hmm. always like, for instance, City Hammond, Indiana, we guaranteed 1.5 million every year, and it's at 4 million. So we're very, very conservative on our projections, but all that money goes to the municipality. We don't share in the savings, and we'll, you know, sometimes if they have extra amounts of money that's coming in, they'll greenlight even more, and we just keep building off. So of that. you win by getting more work, basically, is what you're saying. That's correct. So it's uh, as you say. You're not sharing in the the money that they're saving. That's going back into the coffers of the municipality. You're just doing your job. So my question to you is, why aren't more companies like yours doing this kind of work? It's risky. Um, You know, you gotta you gotta have a. A lot of people have tried it. A lot of people have gone into business. A lot of general contractors. So what what made your system your your uh, method work so well? We just were surrounded by the right team. We got a good team in place, and. you know, from on the execution side, we're just really good at executing work because this is renovation work. We're used to very, you know, heavy duty construction work. Um, and, you know, there's a financial component to this and then there's an engineering component to this. And we just surround ourselves with really smart people. Mm-hmm. So that's that's basically how. I mean, I, I, I'm just kind of stunned because if you're listening to this show you're elsewhere in Illinois or in Ohio or we have people in Missouri, would you be willing to go to Missouri to to do a job? Um, we haven't done anything in Missouri yet, but, you know, we're obviously we're open to talk to anybody that's interested. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, I, I it makes me think. Why wouldn't you do this? But I guess part of the deal is you got to sell a municipality on sure. this as well. And at a certain point, you're going to have a body of work that says, well, just look at Hammond. Just look at 
Right. Um, I can't remember. North Royalton. North Royalton, yeah. Yeah. And and people will go, oh, wow, I can't believe that. So, yeah, you come in here. Let's 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 be more efficient. Let's save energy. Let's save money. Right. So what are you finding are some of the areas and municipalities, just anywhere that you're working, that need the most work that could really benefit from these projects? And how do they get it going? So what type of municipality? Or are you talking about where... The you most know, savings. Where the most so, savings are coming yeah. So it's always electrical. It's always lighting. Lighting's always the low-hanging fruit when you, when you go into these municipalities. But we are taking a little bit of a deeper dive into fleet you know, management and uh, putting alternative systems on, mm-hmm. on vehicles to drive on propane, which we did in Hammond. Most of their police force is driving on propane what and about, gas. What about electric? Electric vehicles? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the ROI, we haven't really – we looked into it, but um, it, it's really based on return on investment. And – you know, selling a cop to drive on electric <laughs> versus uh, well, I get that. propane was tough. You but, know, but. but but a city worker who's not a cop, yeah, you pub- know, public works, who's, or who's something. just going, you know, he's not chasing anybody down a highway. Uh, I, I'll be really honest with you. I just came back from California and um, visiting relatives there, and want, wanted to uh, get an electric car. I figure it's California. I'm going to mm-hmm. rent a car. I've never driven an electric car. I want to drive a hybrid. I, do you know how hard it was to get a car rental company to to rent me a hybrid? It's And, and I think it's the ROI. Right. That's crazy, though. It, you know, this is California where they're right. trying to... I think to, they'd be more ahead of things, yeah. which they are, you know, by... by but not there. Just not, not the there rental right. companies. Not the, not the rental companies, <clears throat> but but it, but, it, but it tells you about the... the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The... Um, the mindset? The mindset. That's the along the lines of what I right. was looking for. It's... You must encounter that all the time in municipalities. Absolutely. Who would just say, well, I, I really don't believe you uh, that you can make this happen and right. uh, we're doing great. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we only got a, about a minute here, but what about Illinois? Anything happening here? Um, we have a few projects that are in competitive. I don't want to talk about it too much, like what the municipalities are, because there it's two counties and a city. No, um, that's okay. That, I mean, it's lo- the fact that you are working here, you don't have to give away the Yeah. The no, store. no. We you know, we want to do more work here, but, you know, we're, we're actually getting more traction in some of the other markets. Um, and, uh, you know, we're still, we're still trying to understand, like, why that's the case, yeah. why Illinois isn't really popping as much. We have a 40 Even though land. you're based here, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but we're, we're traveling out of state. Yeah, I would love to. We'd love to do more work here, but, you know, we're getting called into all these cities that we're developing projects right now in uh, Indiana and in, in Ohio. But, you know, it's great. Oh, I'll tell you, it's, it, it is so exciting. you got to come back and talk more about what, what you're doing. Curtis Leopardo with uh, Leopardo Construction and Leopardo Energy. Go to leopardo.com, L-E-O-P-A-R-D-O.com. Curtis, thank you so much for coming into the studio this morning. Thank Appreciate you. it. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More when we return. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. 
and check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. This is tree keeper number 417 telling you that there are now more than 2,000 open lands tree keepers who work throughout the region to keep trees healthy, administering proper care, and promptly recognizing and reporting harmful pests. You can add your name to that list this spring by signing up for the tree keepers course at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings starting March 29th. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash tree keepers. I don't think uh, Mark Zuckerberg or any of the folks at YouTube are going to block this. Don't say that too loudly. Uh, well, YouTube's not going to block it. We're not on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. We're not streaming there right now. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. Hey, I'm a little uh, echoey here. Uh, do we need to turn that mic that way? Uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Hold on. No offense. I'm just going to bring it like this. There we go. And then you, and you'll still be on camera. Bingo. There we go. Like I said, welcome back, and look who's in the studio. Hey, Ryan Anderson is back. And I, I think he's a regular now. I, I believe he is. Does is, is this official, how many times has he been? At, you get one of those T-shirts when you're on, mm-hmm. like the Saturday Night Live uh, T-shirt. Gee, we haven't seen you since so August. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when Ryan's here, we're usually talking about lawn care. Um it is January, Ryan. Why are we talk? Are we talking about lawn care? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not not too much uh, practices going on in terms of lawn care, but uh, it's kind of the off season. You for- can raise this whole thing. Oh, uh, sorry. Too. Okay. Oh, yeah, you don't have to duck I'm down. I'm just watching <laughs> you kind of. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, he's still doing <laughs> that. Hold on. All right. Okay. So while we're adjusting the mic, don't we've got. Us, let's see. Amy says, "Go, Ryan." <laughs> Yeah, so um, it is the off-season for lawn care, but that means there's a lot of trade association conferences, and there's the Illinois Parks Conference coming up this Saturday. It's actually from Thursday to Saturday, but we have a presentation coming up from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday. Now, are you going to be hitting other Midwest uh, states, I hope? And if because you are, the Midwest Grows Green, you're part of, and you can mm-hmm. go to uh, my website, Mike Novak. Dot net and find all these wonderful links. Um, and the website for Midwest Grows Green is? Uh, MidwestGrowsGreen.org. All right. See how simple that is? It's a, So here at this time of year, and, and we talk about this on the show, at this time of year, you do conferences. If you can't be out there actually gardening, but like I said, I was in California where everything was growing um, and I was uh, things blooming. It's crazy. It's not fair. Uh, for those, uh, you know, if you live out there, it's fair. If you're in the Midwest and you come back to three degrees, it's not fair at all. So uh, in January, this is when you talk to municipalities and you say, hey, guys, we got this idea that you should be doing all the lawns in your city safer. I mean, we were just talking to uh, Curtis Leopardo about energy conservation in cities and municipalities. So they wander in, they do an audit and say, you know, you could do this better. You're the same way, aren't you, uh, Ryan? You go in and you say, you know, the, all those chemicals you're putting in your lawn, 
You could do better than that. You could do this safer, and it would be better for the kids. It would be better for your pets. So what, tell me about the conference, what your presentation is going to be here in January. Yeah, so the presentation is kind of a review of uh, work that we've done for about three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our Midwest Girls Green Lawn Land Forum, and it's basically a peer-to-peer learning uh, platform for park and school district staff or sports and recreational field managers. So uh, the idea kind of started four years ago when I actually started my job or began my job uh, with Midwest Pesticide Action Center. I would talk mm-hmm. to park districts about uh, reducing or eliminating their pesticides. And the first question I got is, what are other uh, park districts doing or what are other school districts? At that time, I just started my job, so I didn't know so much. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I realized that a lot of this information was scattered, and I didn't have a lot of great examples at that point. So, the long- but, I, but I remember <laughs> from Midwest Pesticide Action Center, uh, the late, great Midwest <laughs> Pesticide Action Center, you guys had a bunch of of PDFs that people could click on to about mm-hmm. how to do this. So it wasn't as if there wasn't anything there. You guys were in the process of pulling it together, and yep. now uh, the transition has been made to Midwest Grows Green, and I imagine you're basing your work on a lot of what was started there mm-hmm. and improving on it. Yeah, um, and those resources are great for the homeowner and everything like that. Once again, encourage go to MidwestGrowsGreen.org. I'll put that in there. Um, but sports and recreational fields, they have a lot more traffic than the average lawn, correct? Sure. Um, and so that's where, where we're having these higher-level conversations where we've had eight webinars, two workshops, uh, two to three different um, experts or mm-hmm. practitioners sharing how they have reduced uh, pesticides. So we have an incredible amount of data and information uh, from these three years of sessions. And so we want to... Uh, provide this information in an accessible manner, and that's what the toolkit is, is we have a lot of about 20 or so different case studies of different managers that have eliminated or reduced their synthetic mm-hmm. pesticide and fertilizer use on sporting fields. And you know, we start with uh, Chip Osborne, who we did last fall. Um, I was the moderator of a panel mm-hmm. uh, that we did with Patagonia here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chip Osborne came from the East Coast, and he's kind of the guru when it comes to uh, these kinds of lawns because he he deals a lot with athletic fields and municipalities and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine you come in. Do, do you when you talk to a city like this? Do, do even if it's a small a suburb, it's not necessarily going to be Denver or. Cleveland, but it it might be Schaumburg and Park Ridge, or, right? Or and, Naperville, or and do they say, well, there's no way to keep these lawns healthy unless we put the chemicals on them? Uh, what's your mm-hmm. response to that? Absolutely, and that's why we want to have these case studies. So, um, presenting with me on uh, Saturday is going to be Carl Goro from the Naperville Park District, and, and you've worked with them. Yeah, you yes. did it uh, last year. You were. Frequently, yes. Okay, good. (laughs) In Naperville, you got to understand, for those folks not in Illinois, Naperville is one of the largest cities in Illinois. Yeah. And it has a lot of, and because it's in the western suburbs, has a lot of influence on a lot of other cities, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the first things that I'm going to present on uh, Saturday is I'm going to show an image of um, Knock Park. Uh, It's one of uh, Carl's uh, main parks that he manages. And uh, for a a number of years, it hosted Rib Fest, Mm -hmm. which would host uh, 100,000 people would 
come by that field. Rib Fest. Rib Fest. Uh, Naperville's uh, Rib Fest. Okay. 100,000 oh, people. Rib Rib. <laughs> rib. Yeah. rib like spare rib. Yeah. As, as in spare. Oh, yeah. oh see, I, I couldn't tell because I Rib like Fest. Like past the barbecue sauce. Yeah, right. But I was thinking it could also be as in River Fest, Rib Fest. But it's Rib with a B like the, it's at, the ri- Adam's Rib, rib, rib Fest. fest. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yikes. That was that was really hard. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Well, that, that took up a minute. <laughs> No. Okay. So, all right. Sorry. Uh, that's nope. that's my pen of no. It's his new toy. All right. It's my new toy. Yeah. Uh, anyways, hundred thousand people come to this. So, as you can imagine, that field is downtrodden after that event. Sure. Right? Um, it's brown. There's a lot of bear patches. Everything like that. And then I show a photo eight weeks later, and it's green. It's rejuvenated. And he has used no synthetic pesticides or herbicides. And it's not compacted any longer. When it's you not say, compacted. And you say he. Who is that? Carl Gore. Carl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, on that field. The park district. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's kind of evidence that if you follow our systemic natural lawn care approach, focus on the cultural practices, focus on that soil fertility, you can get your, your grass back up, up from a downtrodden to green and resilient uh, in eight weeks. Yikes. That's just, you know, this is the best of all possible worlds. And I'm aware of it because I've been reading this book here, um, Nature's Best Hope by Doug Tallamy, um, who wrote Bringing Nature Home. Are you familiar with and, Doug Tallamy? And who will be our I'm guest not. on February 9th. <laughs> you need to read, you and you could incorporate this into your pitches to these mm-hmm. communities. Because what Doug Tallamy is saying, and he writes about it in this book, he says... We got 40 million acres of lawn in the United States, mm-hmm. just the United States. And think of all the chemicals that go on those lawns when you could have uh, healthier plants. And in some of the lawn you might take out. And, you know, you're, you're trying to encourage people, okay, athletic fields, you can't put native plants in there. You yep. have to have an athletic field. Uh so you want to do it safer. He's saying, you know, we could take out some of these lawns and put in uh, plants that are going to reduce stormwater impact and put more carbon, you know, suck up more carbon. They're more carbon sinks and that sort of thing. But when he says 40 million acres, then you think of all the chemicals that go on mm-hmm. that as well. This is why uh, organizations like Mid- uh, Midwest Grows Green exist mm-hmm. to, to, to get the word out and say, you can make that lawn healthy, as you said. Mm-hmm. After Rib Fest, a few weeks later, there it's back, and it you didn't need all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, all right, we're going to break. We're going to come back, uh, talk more to uh, Ryan Anderson from Midwest Grows Green. Uh, they've got a toolkit. So it's not just Ryan showing up and saying, no, no, here's how you do it. No, <laughs> you can go to the website, and you can read about how your city, your village, your municipality – can be greener even with turf grass. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we will be right back. Did you know a typical carrot travels 1,838 miles to reach your dinner table? That's not a sustainable distance, and it's a great reason to consider eating more locally. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Reducing your food miles is one way to lower your carbon footprint and eat more sustainably, which is healthier for the planet and probably for you too. So go to your local farmer's market and get to know your farmers. Consider joining a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, and get fruits and vegetables fresh from the farm directly 
It's also a great way to stimulate local economy. Find a farmer's market or CSA near you by going to localharvest.org. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Illinois has become a national leader in solar energy installation, and right now you can save 60 to 70% on installation costs. You want it for your home or business, but you don't know where to start. So give our friends at Albright Solar a call. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions, and we've worked with them for a decade. They're good people, and they know their stuff. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. 2019 marked 20 years of faith in place, empowering people of all faiths to be leaders in caring for the earth. Not only that, right now is the 10th annual season of the Indoor Winter Farmers Market Program. Enjoy fresh local food from November to April at Indoor Farmers Markets, hosted by 16 Chicagoland Houses of Worship on select Saturdays and Sundays. Faith in Place accepts Illinois Link Card SNAP benefits. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and uh, we're very pleased to have in studio. I say that all the time. And someday I'm going to say we really wish Ryan were not here, but there's nothing we can do about it because we booked. He could have him. at least brought donuts. <laughs> could, yeah, really, uh, on a three degree three d- degree day. I guess it's two in some places, two degrees. Uh, but you know, despite the cold weather, we're talking lawns. Um, and uh, Ryan Anderson is with Midwest Grows Green. They've got um, a conference coming up on uh, the at the end of January here. And uh, Peggy, you were mentioning something during the break that we should bring up right now, which is yeah, that you know we're talking about this as a peer to peer conference, people from park districts and municipalities. But I think part of the important message that struck me right away is for people who are involved in green groups in their community who uh, know that the park district's starting to make some changes, uh, their their city meetings. This is a message and a toolkit that everybody can take to their municipal leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we hoped uh, that it would ultimately be used for by Go Green Groups as well as by park districts. Um, We have a lot of case studies, as I said, about 20 or so that you can point to you know, if you want to talk about aeration or mowing, 
you can say, oh, I'll uh, point you to what Christy Silberg has done at Park Ridge Park District, mm-hmm. um, changing up her mowing practices or changing up her aeration. So th- you have those case studies. And then we also have some like templates. Um, for example, we have a work plan, a natural lawn care work plan. We're going to um, ask for $25 to do upkeep of maintenance of the uh, midwet- of that toolkit website. But that work plan is reviewed by um, – practitioners and experts across uh, the Midwest from like University of Wisconsin or University of Missouri, as well as um, some park managers. And uh, if you uh, implement that work plan, it goes through your fertilization schedule, your mowing schedule, your aeration schedule. So it goes through a lot of um, different uh, important aspects. And we think that if you can implement that, you can uh, uh, implement that across your park district or school district. So all of this is in what you're calling a toolkit, which I take it now you're unveiling uh, this year uh, so that these groups, the Go Green groups, the municipalities, the schools, the churches, I imagine as well, can Mm -hmm. all have uh, what we call sometimes natural lawn care, sometimes some people call it organic lawn care. I don't think it really matters as long as you're reducing the inputs. Pesticide-free lawn care. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good one. Um, so tell me about the toolkit. W- what is it the, that you developed? And again, I will note that if you go to MikeNovak.net, you can l- click onto this. If you're a homeowner, there are tools there, and I've got a link to where you can click there. But this in particular, we're trying to get the word out to cities because in January, this is when you can start planning mm-hmm. for 2020 and do things a little differently. So what's in the toolkit? Yeah, there's a number of uh, different elements to it. So we have uh, different sections or uh, steps into implementing a full um, natural lawn care integrated pest management program. So uh, we start off with prioritizing fields, which is classifying your fields as category one to category three. I mean, okay, what's the difference? <laughs> uh, category one are your destination parks or your heavily used sports fields. Okay. So um, you want to use a lot more cultural practices on those sites and everything like that. Um, and then category three fields are kind of your pocket parks or those parks that you might not see a lot. Mm-hmm. So having weeds on there might not be a big problem. So the right. whole concept of this is to shift your time and your resources from category three fields to category one fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you can control costs. So we start off with that. And then we go into cultural practices, which is the most important. So we cover root density, shoot strength, and soil health, uh, those three aspects. And, of course – the stronger the roots, the stronger the plant, and Excellent. which which you know plays into the whole mowing thing. Now, obviously, on a on a an athletic field, you have to mow it to a certain length. You can't do it like you would at your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got to adjust a little bit. At, at, for home use, you you tell people cut it to about three inches. That's a little tall for an athletic field. Yeah, we say about two and a half if you can uh, if do you it. can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Because it leads to stronger roots, which leads to stronger plants, and then you're not overseeding all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And so we have those cultural practices, and then after that we have weed and pest control, so that's talking about reduced risk or organic herbicides. Sure. Um, And then we have policy, so what should go into a policy, uh, integrated pest management or natural lawn care policy? Uh, You know, (laughs) I'll stop you there. You just, of course, part of this is selling this. Mm -hmm to your constituents as well when you come in and you say hey we're going to do this in a different way and we're and we're not going to use these chemicals i imagine a lot of people say okay first of all how much more is it going to cost us and how effective is is it going to be 
you address that, uh, obviously. Absolutely. And that's the next section is the cost factors. Okay. Um, okay. I was way ahead <laughs> of you. Sorry about that. And, you know, cost factors has been a really interesting uh, topic for us. Um, you know, I think we have a pretty good answer of how we do it. I had already talked about how you can shift your time and resources using our prioritizing parks, but there's other strategies. So a lot of times we got the question of, you know, what? It, how much more is an organic product, an organic fertilizer or sure. organic pesticide oh, between a conventional? And, you know, it, standalone, those costs are uh, – the cost for organic product is going to be much more, right, right. than a conventional. Um, but then we say – we try to encourage these managers to look at it more holistically and kind of try to think outside the box of how they can manage their costs. There's labor costs. There's equipment costs. There's seating costs. So there's a number of uh, costs that you need to consider. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at that holistically, you can find different ways to save costs. For example, um, squirting fields are uh, – if you look at a soccer field or a um, football field, uh, the com the compaction is tends to be on a football field in the 20-yard lines, right? right? Between the hash marks and 20-yard lines. Yeah. So. Uh, you can reduce your labor costs by just saying, you know, we'll just aerate in these hash marks. Uh, we'll focus aeration on those hash marks and maybe only do once at the outsides of the football lines. And you can save costs that way. Well, that makes total sense. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. uh, the kind of thing that we're trying to encourage people to think outside the box, not just these standalone direct costs. Uh, right. Because normally it's, well, we're just going to aerate the whole thing. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. you might Do it not. where it's needed. And, yeah. and yes. you wouldn't aerate a football field the way you would a baseball diamond. Or a soccer field. Or yeah. a soccer mm -hmm. field. Uh, and you got to be smarter about it. So yeah. and that's and that's how one of the ways you save money. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. Okay. Yeah. You know, going into that, th that idea. So, um, how many people do you hope to reach uh, this uh, this January? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got one minute. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're hoping uh, we'll, we'll get a lot of different park districts. You know, if we could get 50 attendees, I think we'll be, be happy. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a very well-attended conference. So, so um, the point being, people are interested in this. They're, they're starting to pay attention and say, yeah, we would like to do this. Yeah, we'd like to make our, our fields safer for our kids. Yeah, and, you know, I, I tell people right now, when I started this job, I used to go to park districts about a natural lawn care. Now I'm getting calls uh, from park districts or school districts to do this work. It's working. So that's, uh, yes. that's a good uh, evidence of how it's working. Well, mm -hmm. if you want more information, go to Midwest Grows Green. Dot org, or you can go to MikeNovak.net. And don't forget, you can do this all year long. You can do it in your own uh, backyard. Thank you, Ryan Anderson. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Go green or go home. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. 
Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Wong. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Yeah, speaking of good food to eat, holy smoke, look at this. This is why we invite... Rick, uh, pull, just pull your microphones down, gentlemen, since you're going to sit. If they're going to sit, you might have to readjust the camera. No, no, they look fine. They look good. I'm sharing right now. Uh, I'm sharing right now. I'll be readjusting in a moment. Here. Okay, she'll readjust in a moment. You mean you're sharing the stuff I brought? Let's see. No, um, no, no. From no, no, left no. to yes. right. Yeah. From left to right. It's um, ham and cheese croissant, spinach and feta cheese, right, croissant, uh, pecan rolls, and I don't know. That's a mixed berry and nut. Um, that looks scone great. and then cinnamon scone. That's, that's the one I want. Yeah. Oh, well, unfortunately, on the wrong side of the want. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, Benison's. Yeah. Better, you know, and this is why we invite Rick DeMaio to the show, not for meteorology. <laughs> and he brings it, the food. And, and I told the guy, I'll be on the WCGO in an hour, and I'll mention Benison's, and it doesn't cost you anything. And probably Benison's.com is what I would guess. Yeah. Uh, so, John, I, which one do you want? Um, I'm partial to cinnamon. I'll, I'll okay, go with the cinnamon. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. And uh, so, yeah, and welcome back. And for those of you watching at home, we are retro on Facebook this morning. We got the the microphone is not going through the board at all because we can't figure out how to make that work. So don't we got tell the people mic- that. Just tell them how to how to listen to it. <laughs> Just in case we're, they wonder what's going on. We are to- we're, oh, I see. We're into transparency here. This is the way. Uh, <laughs> yep. Full so, disclosure. Un- unlike a lot of organizations and uh, governments of the world, we yeah. are. And, we, and and I am the floating voice this morning since because, I'm not on camera. That's right. Peggy's not oh. on camera. But in the studio, as you can <clears> see, our meteorologist Rick DeMaio and uh, are you, uh, John Lee, are you technically a meteorologist as well? Uh, yes, technically yeah. I am. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a non-practicing meteorologist, I guess. Okay. But, but degreed and from agreed. Wisconsin. From Wisconsin, Wisconsin yeah. I'm going to have yeah. you pull this over just a little bit. All there right. we go. Uh, but you sort of took your degree and went in a slightly different direction from what Rick did. Yeah, I went into uh, more environmental law. So I figure that's, uh, you know, some of the cases I worked on, you know, kind of deal with the experts and the science behind it. Uh-huh. And so... Um, yeah, meteor- I've used a meteorology degree in certain cases, but it's the science background which has really helped. As far as yeah, goes. yeah, and and that's what is very exciting about this because we were at uh, the Faith in Place mm. event in September, and John walks up to us, and of course, John and I have attended uh, a football game together. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> unsuccessful game. I, be- I believe we saw uh, Wisconsin get blown out by Northwestern of all schools. Woohoo! Go Cats! Yeah. <laughs> that, that was last year. That was that last was year. not a good game. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> And those seats were expensive, too. Those are good seats, but yeah. <laughs> every, every time Northwestern scored, I kept looking at how much I paid for the ticket. <laughs> and he didn't let me and forget it either. Go so. Cats! Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I you got, got the Big Ten room here, so. Yeah, right. there we are. But, John, you got your law degree from where now? Uh, law degree at DePaul. And, okay. Uh, 
And I was actually, I was actually at Wisconsin the same time you were there. I don't remember you from there, but I think we overlapped. Right, about, about like a year or so. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So. Uh, so, so John comes up to us at the Faith in Place event and says, hey, we got we to gotta get t- together with Rick on the show and we'll discuss some environmental stuff, but let's bring some law into it. And I said, oh, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. What? Let's, let's do that. And we finally made it work. So here we are mm-hmm. in the studio and, we, and I'm calling. I'm calling it, uh, and I've got it on the site here, Climate Year Review 2019, uh, because we're not too far into 2020, and I'm very uh, eager to talk to you guys, not just about what happened in the climate, but the manifestation of it. Uh, What are you laughing about there, Peggy? Um, Somebody (laughs) asked if the food is your apology for single-digit temperatures. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and I did it based on the actual temperature, not the wind chill. No, you mean the real feel? Yeah. Uh, it would have been the wind chill. I would have brought in the smorgasbord, right? <laughs> okay, so this is great. Until uh, the end of the show today, we're talking climate, we're talking climate law, we're talking weather, all of the above. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Mon- <laughs> Malecki. We'll be right back. When it comes to tree care, it's all about the science. Well, there's love and history and family, too. But you definitely want the best science for your trees. That's why you should contact Bartlett Tree Experts at Bartlett.com. With 120 offices around the world, including Canada, England, and Ireland, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world. Their work is backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories in North Carolina. They pioneered integrated pest management or IPM in the 1970s, introduced the first organic fertilizer, and now Bartlett is the first and only tree care company to research the benefits of biochar on urban soils and tree health. At the same time, they're focused on you and your needs, meaning that they'll do the right thing for your tree and you. Put science to work for your trees. Get a free estimate today because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Hello, this is Brock from Hero Power. Dirty Power is suffocating Chicago. Stop paying for coal to burn and choose the easiest way to switch to clean energy today. Hero Power offers a no-hassle option for Illinois residents to pay for renewable electricity sources like wind and solar and keep paying the same rate as they did with ComEd. The same rate. It's a no-brainer. Your money goes toward renewable energy and you avoid long-term contracts, termination fees, or the need to schedule another appointment. You can do all of this in just three minutes and drastically reduce your carbon footprint right now. So don't just complain about climate change. Do something about it. By switching to Hero Power, you take a huge step towards cutting carbon emissions and utilizing our natural wind and solar energy. It's a reliable and convenient way to switch to paying for premium electricity at no extra cost. Let's fight for a clean energy future together. Get clean energy in just a few clicks at MyHeroPower.com. Enroll today at MyHeroPower.com. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. 
A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, who's furiously writing notes, because, and I got a feeling she's going to hold one up to me and tell me what, what else has gone wrong this morning. No? Okay, well, I will just ask you on the air then. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's up and running, but I don't want to take it off my phone unless everybody wants to rejoin the broadcast yet again. No, no, no. We're, what we're going to do is we're going to leave it for the moment okay. because we got the, these guys yep. here. Um, it, you just don't see the ads and some of the other stuff. And, uh, <laughs> that's but okay. you do see the food. Uh, you do see the food. I yeah. can make an ad. I can create an ad from like uh, 1970. Uh, <laughs> Uh, nah, don't worry about it. Uh, welcome back, and uh, we've got a couple of meteorologists in the studio, John Lee uh, and Rick DeMaio. Those of you who listen to the show regularly know about Rick. John um, is uh, is here. The two of them uh, are going to – well, John is deals more with law mm-hmm. uh, and meteorology, but we're going to start – with the conference, you just came back from yeah. Rick, and, and during the break, you should have heard him talking to John and say, you got to come to the conference. I, this know, is I will. The, yeah. the, this is the AMS, the American Meteorological Society. This was their 100th anniversary, and because the AMS is located in Boston, the conference was in Boston. Where it was 70 degrees. <laughs> it was 70 degrees, and Peg knows that because I was sending her back um, screenshots of the actual temperature. The amazing thing about it was Rebecca and I left on – Friday because Saturday we would not have gotten out. So here we are ah. flying on Friday. We land in Boston. It's 53 degrees. I'm like, okay, this is nice. And I knew it was going to get warm. And everybody yeah. was forecasting 61 or 62 on Saturday. I wake up and I'm like, it's going to be warmer than that. And I'm watching the local guy do the morning the morning weather. Uh-huh. And it's 9 a.m. And he's like, and here's the temperature of going to be at, at noon. And he has a 62 there. And I'm like, dude, it's 9 o'clock. It's already 57. And the wind's like, I'm like, it's going to be warmer than that. But that's what the model said. And we freaking broke the record on Saturday by 9 degrees and then on Sunday by 12. Wow. So we hit 71 on Saturday, 73 on Sunday. We had never hit 73 ever in Boston. Those records go back officially to 1850, but unofficially to 1780. And the two days in a row of 70-degree weather in Boston, we've never had before. We've never hit 70 in Chicago in January. So here really? I, I didn't know no, that. No, no, never, never. So ah. so, so here I am. Well that, well, that will happen soon. So here I am. I'm thinking Christmas Day a- after, the 26th, we hit 62 degrees. Here it is, the, the 11th and 12th of Boston of January. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to go south of Interstate 80 or Interstate 90 in the months of December and January to get a day of 60 and 70. Wow. That's weird. And the thing about it, Mike and Peg, is it happened a month apart. So when, when people still want to say, no, the Earth's temperature is, is the same and this is all natural, it's not natural. It's not natural. And the odd thing about it is when we had that massive storm, not the odd thing, but the interesting thing about it is when we had that massive storm here, 
I was talking to people out east, and I'm like, okay, they're like saying, oh, you guys had really high waves. Or I'm like, yeah, and there's no ice on the lake, and the lake's a foot and a half above normal. And they, and they said, what did that do to the beaches? And now you see that three beaches in Rogers Park, did you yeah. hear about this? Yeah, they're <laughs> closed. Forever. And forever. For yeah. well, at least the next well, three until, to five years. Well, until the, the water level goes down. and then uh, No, I think until there's money to pay for it. Until well, there's a little, money of, to, a little of both. A little of both, but yeah. until there's money to pay for it. And this is what I was talking about six months ago, and I was walking along the beach in Gilson Beach up in Wilmette, and this woman's like, oh, but they'll repair them. And I'm like, that's because you guys have money. So go to the communities that don't have the money. And that's why I'm thinking this phrase that keeps coming up, books or beaches. Where do you put the money? Do you provide it for kids who need mm-hmm. it in school, or do you build the beaches? This is a serious. This is a serious thing that's happening on a micro scale level here. That will begin to happen elsewhere, and that's where John comes yeah. in. Is how does policy and how does the you know quote um, law part of it come in? And and it's not just a matter of putting the sand back to rebuild it. Absolutely because not. Because as the erosions right. happen, the <laughs> lake bed goes down, it, it gets it, deeper. It'll happen again. Yeah. It'll totally happen again, Peg. John? Well, it's uh, from the law at least, I'm um, a little not optimistic, put it that way. There was, uh, in fact, two days ago, there's, well, I'll get into it. There's basically, at least in the United States right now, there are two sets of, or maybe two tracks of climate change lawsuits. There is... A set where the governments have, basically in California, but there's been about 16 different governmental entities which have sued um, large energy energy producers, oil companies, and that, basically trying to get uh, give restitution or remedy for damages that has occurred. They're, they're claiming you know, linked to climate change. And there's a second track which are. Can I stop you for a second? It's not just a link to climate change, but mm-hmm. it, it also doesn't it have to do with they knew about this 40 years ago and did nothing? Oh, exactly. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of documentary evidence that's right. The energy companies knew about it at least back in the '60s that there was going to be an issue with the product they're producing and climate change, and that's part of the uh, underlying issues in a lot of the cases. Is that you know they had the knowledge, um, they suppressed it, and yet continued you know business as usual. Um, the same issue goes on, like going the second track, which is where groups of young people have sued. Um, this time suing the government, not suing private entities. And this is a famous Juliana case. Everybody's heard about mm-hmm. that one, which um, just got dismissed two days ago. Yeah, last mm-hmm. Friday. Um, mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, give us a little more background on that so yeah. folks know what you're talking about. Yeah, Juliana it was Juliana versus uh, United States. It was filed in 2015. It's a group of 21 young Americans basically saying that the government – they sued under three principles. Basically saying the government had a responsibility for – them and future generations to essentially protect the environment to do something about climate change. They sued under three ways. One was the uh, public trust doctrine, basically saying that the United States or the government has a responsibility, again, for future generations to provide a like a healthy environment, a safe environment. They sued under several constitutional principles, one like due process and equal protection under the Fifth Amendment, basically again saying that young people, future generations – aren't being afforded due process because, you know, the effects of climate change are going to fall most heavily upon them. You know, us, us slightly older people, um, you know, will, will affect well, of for course a while. it will. Yes. <laughs> of course it will, yeah. So they're saying they've had no opportunity to really be part of the process. You know, it's in the due process also. And they sued under um, the Ninth Amendment, which is not used very often. It's essentially that no rights under that we have can essentially infringe upon or impact like another right, other rights that aren't specifically enumerated in the Constitution. 
So, you know, that was the three way. And the public trust doctrine, again, was sort of the main thesis. And it it couldn't have been that strong a case if it got dismissed, I think. Well, it, it's been going on for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it so survived. maybe it was a strong case. It had, it had Jim Hansen behind it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You had multiple people. Um, from, from NOAA. It, it went to the Supreme Court twice. It, the trial court judge was filed in Oregon. Trial court judge was actually willing to have the case go to trial. So I mean, everything that's happened in the past five years, there's been no mm-hmm. trial. There's been nothing on the merits of there. Right. It's all been procedural. Mm-hmm. So it's gone up to the Ninth Circuit. A government has tried. And remember, this is formed or filed under the Obama administration. So one of their first <laughs> acts, too, was to try to get it dismissed. Um, and the current administration, of course, has continued that, that action. So they tried to get it dismissed. Went but to that, the Ninth wait, Circuit. okay, you stop there, too, because mm-hmm. that tells you something. doesn't matter. The administration, the Obama administration was trying to get it dismissed as well. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of folks who are, who, who are thinking, well, those were the good guys. So um, the, the government is the government. Right. right? And, right. It, and if, if they perceive this as harmful to their, their whatever, uh, they're going to try to dismiss it. Exactly. Their interests. It impacted their upon their interests. Interest. Their right. way to, you know, run the government as they see fit, I guess. Um, so like well, said, what about personally? How do you feel about this? Uh from a, from a law standpoint, I think that's what Mike's uh, asking. From yeah, a lawyer okay. standpoint, from a lawyer, yeah, from, not my own personal. From, well, yeah. but, but 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 personally, as a lawyer, uh, did you think that the, the case had merit? Right, that's the point here. I uh, well, it was interesting. The um, one quick background, real fast. Then, so like I said it went to the Supreme Court a couple of times. Went to the Ninth Circuit now again on a motion mm-hmm. to dismiss. So they have said that the plaintiffs had no standing. And I and I knew it was coming down to that. It always is. It's always about standing. Yeah, and they isn't said it? redress must be presented to the political branches of government. Right. So there were there's three meaning they, that the courts don't want to decide it. Exactly. They're, they're punting. So there are three right. elements of standing. Basically, is there an injury in fact? You know, and the court said yes. They've shown there's an injury, and it's not. You know, injury in fact has got to be a specific, discrete injury. It can't just be. You know, climate change is going to affect everybody. Therefore, we're going to sue. It's got to be, they have to point to some kind of injury. Mm-hmm. Court said, yes, they did. Then the second part then is, you know, is there, going to be, is there causation? In other words, can I show if I'm suing the government or if I'm suing a private sector industry, can I say that their behavior, you know, the specific energy company, the government actions, that action caused harm to me? And the court was not committal on a thing called summary judgment where they were trying to get it dismissed. They said, well, there's enough, there may be enough, uh, enough there to at least go to trial. You know, they, they won't dismiss mm-hmm. it. Then the third part is called uh, just stability. Is there a remedy? And that's where it came down to. They basically said that the courts don't have jurisdiction, essentially, to address the suit. That it's a, it's a political question. It's for the executive and the legislative branches are the ones who are supposed to deal with it. And the court shouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, uh, but you understand why people go to the courts because the the executive and the legislative branches refuse to deal with so much. They right. just duck everything in the world and this is why people go to the courts is because they hope they can get some remedy but then the courts say, "Well, they've got to do it." Well, they, but they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The um I was going to read, if you don't mind, I'll read the dissenting opinion. Yeah. I was just going to bring that up because there was a fascinating <laughs> article, uh, argument in that dissent. Go ahead, Go ahead. And this is from the New York Times article from the 17th, quote, in a lengthy and impassioned dissent, Judge Josephine L. Staten wrote that, quote, the government accepts as fact that the United States has reached a tipping point, crying out for a concerted response, yet presses ahead toward calamity. It's as if an asteroid were barreling toward Earth and the government decided to shut down our only defenses. 
Exactly. The um, I almost uh, analogize to basically you're you're driving you're driving in a car. The brakes are going out. You're heading toward the cliff, and you know ready to go over it. And the person looks at you and says, "Well, I can't, I can't fix the brakes. I can't do anything because the manual says I have to go to back to the dealer." This is basically what the court is saying: like <laughs> we can't do any we can't do anything because well, you guys have to do it. And so that, that's essentially what they're doing. Yikes! But the in the dissent that you brought up, they had a fascinating argument is that that the Constitution doesn't require um, the willf- the willful destruction of mm-hmm. the United States, essentially. Willful, willfully ignoring. Right. Speaking of an mm-hmm. analogy, can you now take the property owners adjacent to those three beaches in Rogers Park and say, we want to sue the city of Chicago because they did not provide proper barriers along the lakefront? Because I think it'd be great to have on your show over the next two week, next two week, uh, next two weeks, Mike, um, a real estate agent that represents those buildings. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. As well as a couple of property owner managers, and say how much less are our properties worth now, being that the beaches that we rely on so much to sell these units are now no longer sellable because the beach no longer exists. This is almost the exact same case that John is talking about because can you then provide evidence enough that our properties have now been severely impacted where you need to take action against the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois for realizing that this was going on for a long time? We talked about this, the high Mm -hmm. lake levels, Mm -hmm. the fact that there's no ice, a natural barrier along the lakefront, and now those beaches are gone. How much much less is your property value? I think somebody could, by the same token, come in and say, well, those buildings should never have been built on the lakefront in yeah, the first place. Yeah, but they're there. I think yeah. we gotta, I guess we yeah. got to look past that. I don't know. I don't because, you know, the idea of the Burnham plan was to keep the lakefront open and free, and we have this mass of buildings along Sheridan Road on the north side Yeah, of it's interesting why that area north of Devon, I think it is, or was Hollywood, it? Hollywood. It's a Hollywood, yeah. 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 North of Hollywood, how those did get built to that to that degree. And again, it's due to the fact and that... And there's some on the south side like that because the south oh, without, side... Oh, yeah. down toward, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but I think this raises the same issue that we were just talking about is... Does the government have somewhat ownership over protecting the, you know, the property of those people? I don't know I, what where that goes, would, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, those people. If you look in the, if you look at the areas east of Sheridan, there, that's prime real estate, and now those areas are screwed. Yeah, they totally are. Okay, you can hear the music. It means that uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're talking about climate, and we're talking about weather, and we're talking about law. And other things, it's Rick DeMaio and John Lee in studio along with their pastries. (laughs) We will be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Two years ago, only three private buildings in suburban Schaumburg, Illinois, had solar panels. But now, the village has issued permits for more than 100 homes and five commercial sites. It's over a 3,000% increase. Martha Dooley is Schaumburg's landscape and sustainability planner. She says the growth was the result of simple changes. With guidance from SolSmart, a Department of Energy program, Schaumburg reviewed local zoning codes and simplified its solar permitting process. It's much more streamlined now, so it reduced the soft costs that are sometimes associated with going solar. 
Dooley also created a resource guide that explains the fees, inspections, and permits required. People across Schomburg soon began to act on this information and share it with others. I thought this is fantastic because now neighbors are going to tell neighbors what their experiences are. And I think that's really what helped to drive the success of solar in the village. Dooley says it's rewarding to see such rapid growth. As you drive down streets and you see these solar arrays on residential homes, I think that the image it portrays is one of progress and one of the village supporting a more sustainable future. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. In 2019, Open Lens Tree Keepers pruned more than 2,500 trees and mulched another 1,500 in the Chicago area. They also helped plant more than 1,000 trees, and they're looking to match that in 2020. Tree Keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees. This spring's course is at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings starting March 29th. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and of course... And, and if you're watching on Facebook, please rejoin us right now. We had to st- stop the broadcast. We're back up. Yeah. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be talking to management about that later. Uh, we're very pleased to have in our studio... I keep saying that. i got to stop saying that. Hey, in the studio, we've got... Hey, Rick- welcome to the studio. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Meteorologist nice studio. Rick DeMaio and John Lee are and here. lots of goodies. And they brought their goodies, and we, we were just talking about the lawsuit. That, so, basically, uh, don't try to sue the government. Don't sue the big companies, because you'll lose... <laughs> And, uh, you know, we just keep rolling along. Now, see, I want to go back to the conference, Rick. You just mm-hmm. came from, what, right. 5,000, did you say? 5,600 meteorologists, yeah. The AMS, it's the <laughs> annual, if you joined us late, it's the annual conference. Um, and, and when we say annual, um, it's, it's an annual conference of conferences. So every throughout the year, you'll have, like, a climate change and variability conference, you'll have broadcasting conference, you'll have severe weather uh, you'll have hydrology. These take place in various parts of the United States throughout the year. There'll be like three or four of them. But when you have your, if you want to call it your joint session, um, typically you'll have literally almost 50 different conferences taking place all at once. So it's it's hilarious to watch people go into a room at 830 and it says paddock recognition of mesoscale convective turbulence induced outflow boundaries in the middle part of the United States and you sit down what, there what what what, what? Hey, that was the name of mine 3 years ago don't diss it <laughs> so so you're sitting down there and you listen to the person and and they're up there just literally going and this is what i found and this is what i found you go oh no you see people reaching for their phone they're looking through their book i'm i'm serious this happens there's yeah. some bad talks um, and it's not that the, the information is bad. It's just the presentation is not, sure, not like high quality. And, and, and that will happen. But you literally you start looking. You go, okay, I'm in room 206A, and I want to go to room 158B. And it's literally like an eight-minute walk. 
because the Boston <laughs> Convention Center huge. is absolutely yeah. huge. Wow. So each talk will generally last for about 13 minutes. You generally have 15, but you stop at 13 and you stop for, you know, Q&A. So you have sessions that run from 8.30 to 10, 10.30 to 12, 1 to um, one thirty to 4, and then you have the poster sessions. Each day there's a poster session that goes from 4 to 6. So if you don't get your, your talk in the oral presentation, you have a poster session, which is, I think, really, really cool because you get to stand in front of a poster and you can talk to someone mm-hmm. directly about what's going on. So – those are the sessions. Those are the but, sessions, but, but, yeah. But 5,000 meteorologists, there's a lot of schmoozing. Oh. And what are they talking about? So, what, what, you know, what, what, was what, consum- what was consuming here, everybody? Here, here, here's the thing. I ended up going to mainly aviation with a little bit of climate change. And, and some of the best parts of the schmoozing is after the talk. I, I call it the hallway connection. I was connecting already with a meteorologist from Seoul, South Korea. He forecast for uh, he was forecasting for the Royal Air Force, um, RAKS, I think it was, and then also Korean Airlines, as well as a guy named Paul Williams from University of Reading in the UK. We already exchanged emails about how we want to collaborate on stuff in the future, uh-huh. as well as two or three meteorologists from NCAR out in Boulder about stuff that I want to do and stuff that I showed them. So I'm already like, I have like 10 emails that I had to follow up on. And that's where you begin to build some sort of a of, of collaborative effort, research, you kind of focus in on what you want to do. You say, that's what I did. I want to do something as well. And and on top of that, it's all about networking. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and, that is, and that is the best thing about it. And then even though the conference ends each day at 6, Monday night, you go out and you're mm-hmm. having fun. It was a national championship. You're there watching it with people. Yeah. Tuesday night is university night where all the universities have their own uh, sort of alumni get-togethers. Um, and then Wednesday night, you have the main event, which is the awards dinner uh, and then the centennial celebration. So the conference usually kicks off on Sunday. Gina McCarthy was there, gave the keynote address, and it ends on Thursday um, I had to leave Wednesday afternoon because I had to get back and teach. So I missed a, a you know, half a mm. week of teaching. So what are uh, I get? What the? F- <laughs> the phone is ringing. Source? It's all my. Yeah, uh, you know, it's. Do you have health care? Yeah. Do you have any preconditioning? No, 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 no. You don't even want to know what this. <laughs> is. Oh, I love right. answering those things. I go, yeah, I had eight STDs in the last year. No, what do you? Yeah. You know, right. And they hang up right away. I know who it is, and he's going to call right back because he does has no clue that I'm doing a radio show. And, so, so I'm getting, broadcasting. Uh, yeah. I'm so, broadcasting. Right. Uh, uh, but I want to know. And it, a lot of policy and a lot of law there as well. And what? Yeah. And so what I want to know is what are people talking about when they look at 2019 what it what comes to the forefront and they say we have to do or gosh did you do you realize this what what were the media well well, you know the funny thing about it mike and peg is there's no disagreement on what's happening believe it or not there's no political discussion zero it's all about what you have found out in the last year and what we have to do about it from a standpoint of getting better research. When you get to the question of how do we stop it from happening, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of that during the conference per se. There there really is. And that's more like in the, in the aisles, in the corridors, in the hallways, that kind of stuff. But Uh there is zero disagreement. No one, no one, no one discounts the science. It's almost like, yeah, we know Christmas comes on the 25th. Why do we Mm -hmm. keep bringing this up? There's zero conversation about that. (laughs) 
yeah, no, <laughs> well, no war on Christmas, sir. Yeah. But yeah, what, yeah. Climate what are the standout things that they're talking about? Certain certain topics have to be getting more attention. Than I, others. I mean, are they talking about the fires in Australia? Are they talking about the flooding in Chicago? Well, are they talking about flooding in Venice? I mean, what are they talking about? Well, it, it, it does kind of get funny because during the debate, you heard Pete Buttigieg said, and the fires in Australia were so bad, it cre- they created tornadoes. We're like, yeah, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So when you hear candidates try to make, like, something worse sounding because it makes them sound like they're smarter, that actually backfires in the meteorological community. It's like, <laughs> like, 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 don't talk about tornadoes created by fire. We know that that happens. What a judge just lost 5,000 votes. Well, it's yeah. just like, it's like you don't have to say that. We know that that, that happens, right? I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, he's talking to uh, the general public, too. And all that. So if you, you, know, you make it sound, not make it sound, but if you explain how serious the situation is, too, mm-hmm. I mean, that may convince other people or make somebody like sit up and go, wow. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's all weather and tornadoes. And unfortunately, yeah. much of the general public yeah. okay, don't understand there, it. There's a fire in Australia. Next. Yeah. Well, and, and they don't see the, right. the context. Well, the but, animals, too, has been. That's my, been a drive. Well, the, yeah, yeah, I think that's as what is real. It's interesting. Oh, it's from, not, a, it's not from the an vehicle. ecosystem it's, standpoint. It's, oh, yeah. It's the animals. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. you got a koala on fire, and people yeah. respond to that in a way they don't to when they hear that. All these different, you know, thousands of people had to go to the beaches because their homes were going to catch yeah. fire. You know what? Or, or I, I, a bee's I, about to go extinct because its its only home was burned. To, yeah. to answer your question, Mike, a lot of geeky scientists don't get emotional about the results or don't get emotional about the eventual consequences. I, I don't know why, but, but they, they don't. Because they're scientists, maybe. You know? Yeah, but I mean, I'm a scientist and I get emotional about it and I get geeky about it. That's why we love it. you. I, I, but, but that's actually a small percentage unless you ask them deep down inside, how do you feel about this? And they'll go, well, you know, it is terrible and I really do believe that there's something. But they don't come out and say, this is why we need to do something about it. Yeah. If if you did have that, people would say, wait a minute, that's not part of a scientific argument because that's supposed to be objective yeah. and, and devoid of emotion. Exactly. Yeah. And subjectivity at that point. But – in this side, that's where that conversation does come mm-hmm. up, without a doubt, without a doubt. And one of the things I love to do the best is I go and I see some of my older um, instructors and professors at Wisconsin, like a Dr. John Young, who's now running the climatology um, program for the state of Wisconsin, still on zero budget because the previous governor took all that away. And Tony Evers, the current governor, is trying to get it back. I go, Dr. Young, I took – large-scale dynamics with you back in 1985, and you've been around for years, is the climate changing? He'll look at me and go, of course it is. And he's the first one who'll come out and say how horrible it is about the administration and, and that they have their head up there, you know what, um, and, and they're not doing anything about it. So you'll find those people out there, but they're not running around with the, with the flag on their shoulder talking about it. But if he asked them personally. Oh, yeah, without yeah, a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Without say, a doubt. This without is doubt. definitely happening. So yeah. what was the main message then in Gina McCarthy's keynote? Um, well, the, the conference was all about links, L-I-N-K-S, which was learning, integrating um, into – I forget what the N was. <laughs> I think yeah, it was just learning, integration into knowledge. That's where the K comes. So we know a lot of research, but how to get the knowledge out there – on a much broader platform. Mm-hmm. And Gina McCarthy's speech was all about how to get more and more people involved from a younger standpoint. And I think she lit a lot of fire and a lot of people, you know what, again, she was the one who wears her heart you know, on her sleeve. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a heart 
a heart. It's, yeah. it's not yeah. a bad thing. We can say that on the radio. Mm-hmm. All right. That's meteorologist Rick DeMaio, John Lee. Uh, we've got more when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. We're all over Facebook right now, too. Yay! You want to install a solar energy system for your home, but you're afraid you'll be overwhelmed by choices and jargon. You need to talk to our friends at Albright Solar. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions. They take the confusion out of the process and make solar simple, giving you the confidence to enjoy your investment. Harness the power of the sun. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. 2019 marked 20 years of faith in place, empowering people of all faiths to be leaders in caring for the earth. Not only that, right now is the 10th annual season of the Indoor Winter Farmer's Market Program. Enjoy fresh local food from November through April at Indoor Farmer's Markets, hosted by 16 Chicagoland Houses of Worship on select Saturdays and Sundays. Faith in Place accepts Illinois Link Card SNAP benefits. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're working on our science every show. Well, the elm leaf beetle uh, and elm flea weevil are the two main ones that hit the elm trees, the hybrid elms. Elf leaf beetle. Elm leaf beetle. El- elm leaf beetle yeah. and the flea. Elm flea weevil. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Easy for you to say. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on most of these smart talk radio stations. Come on, you say that fast. back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we're wrapping up our discussion here. Hope you've been following. Uh, uh, to all our folks on Facebook, we apologize. We've made you jump around today. <laughs> oh, well. But they're still there. I yes, mean, I'm looking they at are. It, and they've all come back. So uh, we're officially up on all those streaming vehicles. And in the studio, we have Rick DeMaio and John Lee. We're talking meteorology and and climate change. Um you, and and some of the best conversations, as always, happen when we're in commercial break. Yeah, but that's why you you watch on Facebook. And and I think we're going to continue at least one of them. We were talking about how um, broadcast journalists uh, can bring more emotion into getting the message across. And there was a similar article in Columbia Journalism Review on how the media in general needs to be delivering these messages. Both. Yeah, they, they always seem to be a little bit reticent. They always like tiptoe through it. Uh, especially your your national media, like, and could this be related to climate change? You know, <laughs> yeah, they do stuff like that, right? But the links, Peg, you and found certain, what, and, you, and you found what LINKS yeah. stands for. So the 2020 theme of the AMS um, conference, linking information to knowledge and society, mm-hmm. or links. Mm-hmm. All right, and well, uh, but that that's big because oftentimes the research is held up someplace in the ivory tower of a university mm-hmm. goes to a publication, but no one ever really sees that. I mean, how many people outside of the meteorological community read the journal of weather and forecasting? Yeah, not you know, many. Very little. Yeah. And then sometimes if you do, I got a scone on the side of my mouth here. Um, <laughs> sometimes if you do, it's part of that, that then's put in nature magazine like nine months later. Yeah. And it says, according to Noah, 
and they'll take like a paragraph out of it. Which is then broken down to something else, which is then broken down and finally shows exactly. up on the news, as scientists say. Exactly. You made a good point. And, and, and I would hope that there, at this conference there would be a seminar for meteorologists to say how to talk about climate change without getting fired from your television station. Yeah, and I, and I think that was a few of them. I didn't go to those because I kind of think I know how to do that already. But Mike <laughs> Mike Nelson, well, I still remember 12 years ago when I was at Fox in my one of my the, the last year I was there, I posted a map that shows the loss of sea ice. And I said, and look at the way our temperature has been going upward. And I go, could this be related to global warming? Blah, blah, blah. And I was walking down the hall after the show. The managing editor came over to me and goes, I noticed you had some stuff there about loss of sea ice and global warming. He goes, we didn't talk about that in a meeting. I'm like, did we have to? He goes, well, that you just made an assertion that the earth is warming due to the fact that there's less sea ice. I'm like, yeah, it's science. He goes, yeah, but some people might not agree with that. I'm like, I don't care about those people. <laughs> right. This is science. <laughs> but here he, here he was, the managing editor, oh, challenging me on science when he never challenged me on anything before. It's Which like, meant that he yeah. was approaching it from a subjective standpoint and not objective. Uh, I had – this is related. It's not exactly the same thing, but at a radio station I was at, I was talking about frogs. and Very uh, controversial. A very fr- controversial. <laughs> and, and afterward, the assistant director came up to me and he said, what do frogs have to do with gardening? And I said – and I just uh, – I realized that there was handwriting on the wall at that point. It's like if you can't connect – the science of our fauna with what you're doing in your backyard. We got a problem here because it's all mm-hmm. connected, as you know, Rick. And, and you that's know, where Giant. links exactly. and that's where links comes in. What Peg was talking yeah. about. Yeah, and I we, think we, we need to keep talking about this. Yeah, we need to do a better job of linking science and knowledge to society. And that's where that comes in. Uh, John, you wanted to bring something up uh, uh, as we wrap up here. Yeah, I guess real real fast and. You know, we talk about linking uh, specific events to climate change and that. I mean, there's a, a lot of times it's easy to say, well, this is as a result of climate change and that. Especially like in the legal community, there's, you know, causation you have to talk about. And so one of the things, and Rick knows, there's a growing science. It's called, you know, attribution science. So extreme event attribution, trying to say how any particular event is influenced or related in a way to anthropogenic climate change, human-induced climate change, not just climate change bigger in from a natural standpoint. From a natural standpoint, right. yeah. But sure. so you can say that specifically because of what humans are doing, this event maybe occurred. Right. And real fast, one of the big examples, I gave a presentation for Human Rights Watch. Um, I'm on their Chicago committee. And it was all about that is, you know, for human right events and a climate change event, how can you say that this this human rights situation is linked to climate change? And Syria came up as one of the big topics. And there's been several studies done on that. Because um, that's usually one that's brought up as about you know as a link there. Well, when someone delved really delved into it as far as the drought and all that, they found that over this period where the migration uh, before the conflict, the drought was really centered in the eastern part of the country, which is more desert, less populated. The areas where a lot of the activities near Damascus and all that, they actually had to slightly below, and some areas had near normal precipitation. So. And then to so link the two that, weren't, weren't necessarily not right. necessarily. Other studies yeah. say, yeah, this is, but you know, it's conflict, migration, and climate change. You know, so it's interesting. So topic. when you say there's a war in Syria because of climate change, you maybe really, maybe not. You better back that up. Right, exactly. 
Uh, well, it's not that there's not a war, but did climate change war, make yeah. the war worse? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and getting back to Rogers Park here, do you think those people? <laughs> it all goes back to Rogers right. Park. Do you think those people care right now about whether or not there's climate change? Yeah, no, I, no, no, I, I, no, no. They they don't. And what what's the reason? They care why about they, their basement is flooded. Right. Climate change no is out there. It's not tangible. Right. What what's what's tangible to them is the beach is gone. And the value of their property just went down. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't care about climate I change right now. If I connect it, it means other people connect it as well. Right. But I'm saying is the, the lawyer, the real estate agent goes. I don't give a damn about the climate change right now. What are we going to do about the beach? Mm-hmm. In other words, the causation is so big right now. Their 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 number one concern is my my residential community in that building just lost fifty thousand dollars on each. But unit. you could make yeah. an argument from the climate change Without standpoint that there's nothing you can do yeah. about this. But. That's true as well in the short term. Got to be careful about right. that. Okay. In the and, short and term, and people don't want to hear. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. It's just like a 25 year old kid worried about cholesterol. A 75 year old person will. Yeah. A 25. Yeah. I don't care. I'm 25. A 75. Oh, I, I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. But even for the beach, you yeah. don't even. I mean, you don't have to even bring in climate change. It's you know, it's the proximate cause. What is it? the city didn't do something right? Then, so you, right. Don't, I mean, yeah. you don't have to talk right. about the big picture. Right. You can even focus in on. And, and I'm not uh, saying don't worry about. It. I'm like yeah. I do worry about it, but in the short term, right now, that's not there. All right, and, and maybe I can say one thing, and then we'll get to a forecast. Is yeah. that in the old days you would just think about what what is the city doing or not doing? Now we get to overlay it with you have to look at climate change as well. It's one more thing right. to add on top of this, right? All right, because yeah. that may the, affect what and happens. They, and, and, and the right. planning has to be totally different. Right, and they knew that this was happening. Did they do enough? And the answer is no. All right, quick forecast. All right, cold today, cold tomorrow, 30s by Wednesday, rain Thursday night into Friday. These will be the two coldest days over the next two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) How about them apples? the whole winter? And and my phone's ringing again. There we go. For the next, the coldest day for the next two weeks, and then these two days will be the coldest two days for the next. But two something weeks. might happen later on. You never well, know. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. All right. Never know. Thanks to John Lee and Rick DeMaio and all the other folks who are on the show today. I don't have time. Curtis to go. Leopardo. Oh, good. You've got Ryan it. Anderson. All right, and Venison's and uh, yeah. Andrew and Ellie. Till next time, go green or go home. Uh, what is that? It? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.